You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having. But you don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel Show is produced live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. Listen to us on podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also watch the show on YouTube by visiting realmenfeel.org slash YouTube. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Show your support for Real Men Feel by shopping at realmenfeel.org slash swag, by visiting digitaltipjar.com slash realmenfeel, or even text us a tip. You can show some love for Real Men Feel by texting Real Men Feel, that's all one word, to 504-226-5306. You'll receive a link back to complete your tip and choose the amount. This is a weekly program and your reviews, comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in our Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's dive into this week's show. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is Andy Grant, and tonight, uh, the real men are feeling rather fatherly. Um, so that'll uh, be explained a little more as we get going. But um, in the meantime, before we officially launch, uh, I want to welcome in my uh, friend and co-host, Apio Hunter. Hey, Andy. I am so excited about tonight. It's, you know, it just has a great vibe. You know, we've been having lots of fun in the, in the pre-show chat, and it's, I think it's going to be so awesome. Cool. Yeah, so uh, our, our guest tonight is someone I met through we, both of our work on the Good Men Project. Um, Hogan Hilling is a nationally recognized author of 12 published books. He's the creator of a Dadly book series, and that's how I've come to know him. Um, and he has a couple of campaigns, We Love Dads, We Love Moms. He's the owner of Dad Marketing a consulting firm helping people, helping companies market directly to dads. And with all that work around dads, you, you might think, well, he must be a father, right? And yes, he is the father <laughs> of three children. And he's even appeared on Oprah. You are, you're our first Oprah-approved guest. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> and we're excited to have you, for sure. Oh, it's great to be here. It's also a great time to be a dad and... Uh, um, really appreciate you guys uh, having me on the show and just kind of share some of the things I've gone through as a dad in the last three decades. Yeah. So first of all, like what got you from just from being a dad into like working with dads and um, you're part of some stay-at-home dad organizations and such, yes? Oh, yeah. What happened was uh, I just kind of fell in uh, to this whole dad, dad or parent advocate role and, and writing books by accident. Um, I was a working dad at the time. Um, when I got married, had uh, our firstborn, Grant, in 1988. And then our second child was born in 1999, about, what, 17 months later. And uh, he was born with a rare genetic disorder. And at the time, was uh, that was a time when there was a growing tend to be a two-income family. 
And um, it was it was obvious that my wife had was making a little bit more than I was, and plus she had health benefits. And then um, we realized that my son with special needs, Wesley, needed more care. And out of the blue, I just said, you know, why don't I just stay home? And I was initially going to stay home for three or four years, but I fell in love with the role. But as I was doing the primary caregiver role, I was dealing with a lot of um, um, issues in terms of like, you know, because real men at that time was not, weren't supposed to eat quiche or masculinity was being questioned. It still is today. But long story short is um, I really fell in love with being home. And my wife decided to have a, a third child. And then I made that commitment to stay home for 20 years. I actually was a primary caregiver for 20 years. As far as me going into the uh, dad, working with dads, um, I was hired by a hospital in Irvine, California to start expecting dads classes. Um, and that, that program is now called Boot Camp for New Dads. Um, I worked with the, with the founder, Jeff, um, uh, uh, and his name, uh, Greg Bishop. And uh, I was an instructor there. And I really loved just working in open discussion groups. It was not lecture-based. And I just started mainstream, going to the mainstream. And that's how I started getting into uh, other dad programs. And then um, how I got into the at-home dad uh, network was, um, it was kind of a funny story. Um, it's the National At-Home, it's called the National At-Home Dad Network. They have, um, I think, thousands of members. They, they meet every year at, the um, at a convention. And I'm, I'm driving in the car. And I coined the phrase, coming out of the pantry. Because so many guys were really struggling with that identity, right? And they would, they would like, I would, they would admit that they were the primary caregiver. And so, um, what happened was I was in my car and I heard uh, a radio station. I, I was listening to talk radio and it was an at home dad that they were interviewing. And he was saying, Oh, we have this convention in Chicago. So I called the radio station. I got the guy's number and we talked and. Uh, you know, we developed this bond and we both started developing this confidence. We started meeting other at-home dads and then we wound up meeting in Chicago. And I, I attended the annual convention um, out of the 20, I think, three years it's been going on. It's the second largest consecutive dads event in the country. And out of the 23, I think I've been to 15 of them. Wow. Yeah. That's hmm. impressive. I want to, what sort of things, what, what did you teach at the boot camp for new dads? Well, um, we, I think the biggest thing was just giving them the confidence um, to know that. I tell I said, you guys know more than, than you think you know. But as anything else, you, you're kind of thrown into this whole parenting role. And, it's, and, and there's so much attention focused on the mom. And, you know, that, that was kind of an unusual thing to have dads just show up. But basically what we're doing is with dads if, and, and men in general, I think if they know what's coming up, they know how to deal with it. So we were just giving them an educational, you know, when you become a dad, these things kind of happen. But what I really liked about the format was it was really open discussion. I acted more like a facilitator. So there would be like an introduction in the beginning. Then we would say, okay, what are some of the issues you were dealing with? Probably go out of room. And what the guys would, one of the biggest things that they realize that they're not alone, that the issues that they have, other dads have with, also have. So what we did is we initiate, we, we helped them engage in conversation with each other. Another fascinating thing about this is we would bring in veteran dads with babies. So we would have like anywhere from 15 to 20 dads, but of the 20 to 15 dads, 
four or five of them would bring their babies in. And so they served as mentors. So we just directed the conversation and we used the expectant dads as a, as a, as a resource of information. So it wasn't necessarily me telling the guys how to be a better dad. It was just getting guys to get it. And that's, that's how that grew. And that's what you're seeing now a lot more of. And I always say that the best resource a dad has is other dads. So it's like a a men's group, a men's circle, but some of the men had babies. Yeah, and we actually had, did some exercises. Like one of the things we do is we'd have the dad get in the middle of this. We call it the um, the diaper changing circle. And so <laughs> it was it was hilarious and educational at the same time because, but, but I mean, the most powerful thing about this was that, you know, the stigma we had, we get as men as dads, is that, you know, we, yeah. we're inept, we can't diaper. And the magic of this is that you invite a guy to get in the middle and he was more than willing to change a diaper in front of 20 guys. Imagine that. <laughs> and, and think about it, in the 1990s, that was like, that was a big deal, right? So what we would do is we would ask one of the dads, rookie dads, we call them, and say, hey, you know what, you, uh, you want to participate in this. So you actually see a dad showing another dad change a diaper. Huh. And you can imagine some of the conversation that's going on there. They're trying to be serious at the same time, but yeah. you just got to laugh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true. Yeah. Or like, or like, for example, if a guy was talking, instead of me answering the question, I would turn to a veteran dad and say, oh, David, uh, what are your thoughts about this? Do you find that still today men are hesitant to come out of a pantry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. has it changed at all? Um, it's changed a little bit in the sense that you're seeing more dads wanting to do it. And then we also see at-home dads that are staying at-home dads for a longer period of time. Most of the guys that I was around back then uh, went back into the workforce after three or four years. Mm-hmm. You know, they were able to juggle work and being an, uh, and, and being a dad. And now you're seeing these guys staying home longer, like some of them anywhere from eight to 10 years. So the average at-home dad is at home for eight or 10 more years. Where they struggle with is the comfort level they have about themselves and how people re- still reacting to them. You know, why they... And they still get the same questions. Like, Why are you staying home? Why aren't you working? Um, this is a mom's job. You know, you should be at the office, et cetera, et cetera. So that hasn't changed in terms of like fully embracing the, the concept. Is there at all a consistent way that most men answer that question? Like why they're staying home? Uh, not really because it's hard for them just to engage in the conversation because there's so many assumptions. The biggest assumption that people make about the guy staying home is, that he either that he either got fired from his job, that um, that it was that it was done uh, that he was laid off, um, that um, um, how do I explain this? It was more kind of uh, that was kind of a last resort thing, like it wasn't a choice. Not a choice. But but if you if you talk to the at home dad community, everybody, it's interesting. They made a conscious choice. They looked at the financial part of it. They looked at the personality of their wife, their personality, like my, my ex-wife, she didn't want to stay at home. She was a a personality. She was career oriented. Uh, Me, um, uh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a go with the flow kind of guy, fun loving guy. And so it it was a perfect fit for me. And I I loved it. So there goes, there's a lot of thought that goes into this. It's not just, you know, this thing like, Oh yeah, we'll just do it because we're, we're, we're forced to do it. So that's one of the things that, one of the things I tell the dads is that, you know, is that don't, 
it's sad that you have to defend yourself, but you know, you can turn around and, and say, for example, um, oh, you know, I love being at home, or I made my wife and I had this discussion and explained to them the whole process that you went through. You know, say it with confidence, pretty much. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not a dad, but I, I do have two friends that have been stay-at-home dads. And I was like, that, that's awesome. Like, I was, I'm, most guys that yeah. I know, like, look up to that and like, oh, I, I know somebody, somebody, again, we talked earlier before the show, how so many people hate their jobs. Yeah. So I, I would think uh, more people looked up to the stay-at-home dad these days, but I guess not. Well, um. I don't think they look up to them. I, there, there's, in fact, we've got so much attention that we don't really want it anymore because they, <laughs> no, because they think, oh, wow, that guy's staying home. Oh, wow. Bye. You know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal sometimes like, well, wow, you, you know, you're staying home and this is going, you know, we're just like every other guy. It's just that we decided that we didn't want to also work. Not that staying home isn't work. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just that, you know, it's something we want to try. And what we're finding out is a lot of guys fell in love with it. Mm. And um, uh, I, I think it's just a comfort level that you have to create for yourself. If you're happy doing this, because I went through this, I go like, I'm loving this. But everybody around me is telling me this is wrong for me. Well, come on. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so it got to the point where I just got tired of defending myself. And I just did what I did. I mean, stay-at-home moms don't have to defend themselves. Nobody ever questions them. So it's a tough position to be in, especially when you're a guy and people are like questioning your masculinity. I got to tell you guys, most people don't know this, but I'm six foot six. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I smoke cigar. I smoke cigars. I drink beer. I do manly stuff. Uh, I go fishing. Uh, I play poker. I have not lost any bit of my masculinity. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's get this straight from this point on. Right. <laughs> right. If anything, you've been able to fully embrace it and feel 100% comfortable in your own skin. Exactly. I love that. Well, well, let me say this too. Like with working dads, I had a working dad come up to me and, I, and he said to me, wow, I really admire what you do, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, well, slow down, slow down. I said, I said, look, um, I admire what you guys do because you guys have to balance work and then you come home and I turn that switch off and that's not easy to do. And I'm going like, I only got to focus one thing. Okay. Keep my kids alive for the day. <laughs> right. One day so, at a time. Literally. Yeah. And so, you know, I, um, I, I felt uh, grateful that I had the opportunity to take this role on and, and, and I fell mm. in love with it. So I'm lucky. So I'm kind of curious, how often, at least in the equation of that decision-making process of you know, dads consciously choosing to stay home and be a stay-at-home dad, um, how often do you hear of them, of the decision, part of the decision-making process being they want to support their wives in their careers? Oh, thanks for bringing that out. I think a lot of people forget about that, you know, mm -hmm. especially with the whole gender equity uh, quality movement in the right. workplace, and that is that... Um, they see guys staying home more as, uh, as confused, you know, why are you doing this? We should be staying home. And it, and it really, uh, it really, uh, uh, how do I say, um, it really takes away from the other important thing that these at-home dads are doing because women want to be succeed in the workforce. And you got a guy here that's giving up his career so that she could so, uh, uh, pursue her career. And at the same time, he's getting flack from people about giving up to support his wife's career. I don't get that, you know? 
And so, you know, uh, Adam Dads are part of the reason why corporate mo uh, moms in corporate America are doing so well now. Mm -hmm. I love but that. We, but okay. we, but we, it's been overshadowed. That's the word I was looking at. That, that whole right. thing has been overshadowed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Uh, um, and, and as far as, you know, how, what do you think that the stay-at-home at dad movement has played as far as a role is concerned is um, bringing equity to the workplace, not just as far as women's careers are concerned, but mm -hmm. also parental leave. So, for instance, you, you know, there's always maternity leave. In the company where I work, they have a very, very generous paternity leave also. In fact, mm -hmm. our, our ops manager, our office is currently off on paternity leave. I mean, almost all the new dads in, in my mm -hmm. office have taken full advantage of that. Oh, paternity. I, yeah. Well, I think they've been a wake-up call, not just to fatherhood, but just to parenting uh -huh. in general. Because, mm. there's, I mean, the stigma is still there that moms are better caregivers than dads. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's unfortunate because dads are just as capable. They just do it differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I, I think that the at-home dads, as much as I mentioned earlier that they had trouble coming out of the pantry and uncomfortable about their role, I think what they've done for working dads Mm -hmm. It's made them feel comfortable about pushing the stroller, made them feel comfortable about going to the playground, made them feel comfortable about joining support groups. Because when they see a guy pushing a stroller, you know, they used to make fun of the guy, right? And now right. because because they see more, and like anything else with guys, when you see more guys doing something else, your comfort level begins to rise a little bit. So I think that's where stay-at-home dads played a huge role is, with, with the working dads is that, hey, you know um, – I can do more when I get home. I can be more involved. You know, oh, wow, Hogan looks like he's having fun. I'm going to try this. You know, he seems to, you know, he's six foot six. He's a macho looking kind of guy. He feels comfortable with it. Why can't I feel comfortable with it? Yeah. Once that permission is given, boy, it's amazing what, where we go with that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so with stay at home dads kind of like bursting that, uh, that stigma and that, that box of what a man is wide open. You're even helping people open a little bit. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's right. really cool. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of at-home dads don't realize that, you know, because for the first two or three years, they're so caught up in this transition of defining their masculinity because we were told before that men aren't supposed to be doing this. <laughs> and I'm saying, like, why not? <laughs> you know, if you if you insult me or give me a hard time, I'm still going to try to kick your ass. You know, that's just going to change. <laughs> oh, that's great. But let me just example, like, for example, the Mr. Mom thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's still kind of a label today. And so what we're mm -hmm. trying to tell guys is like, you know, when somebody comes up with the label, like the Mr. Mom label, don't let them emasculate you. What I see right now is a lot of men are getting emasculated, feeling like they have to show their feminine side. Okay. I ain't got one. <laughs> and it's interesting because <laughs> we never ask women to show their masculine side. Right. And so I think when you start, uh, 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 even like working guys have told me, yeah, if I'm, if I'm doing the groceries to my kids, like it's still like Mr. Mom and I, and guys have to speak up and say, Hey, listen, I really, I really understand why you're saying that, but, you know, it's really offensive because we're not a replacement for mom. Right. You know, we're dads. And that's how you got to get over that whole uncomfortable level that people are giving you. Because once you start standing up for that, 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 that identity, mm -hmm. people start to respect you. 
Yes. That's yeah. how you gain the respect. And I think that's really true of just about any conversation. Once you stand up and stand firm, people will pull oftentimes pull back and then show you respect yeah. because you're in, you, you respected yourself enough. Yeah. And, I, and I actually learned this not only from the dads that I had the confidence level. You know, I saw these guys who were so comfortable in their skin, and I was struggling a little bit. And then another person that really made a huge impact on my life was uh, um, a, a mom in the, in the group that I was with. And at that time, I was, I, was, I was lucky because I had a group of moms that really embraced me. And um, uh, Colleen came up to me, and she said, you know, Hogan, look, you know, we know you love your kids. But it seems like you're not enjoying this. It seems like you you got this weight of shoulder, this weight on your shoulders about having to prove yourself about dealing with people and questioning your masculinity. And said, you know, we know you can do this job. Just have fun with it and feel comfortable around us. And she she was she was exactly right. I I, I just just parent and make this commitment just like moms are doing it and everything will be okay. And from that point on, she was exactly right. I started gaining more respect from people because I wasn't doing this with a chip on my shoulder. Hmm. I was doing it because I loved it and I was standing up for it. And as you got more comfortable in your skin and in your role, yeah, others got more comfortable with it well, as well. I would say the women got more comfortable with it more than the men. And an example of that is I, you know, all of a sudden, the moms are like inviting me to like luncheon dates uh, at their house, you know, and I'm bringing I'm bringing food there. And then they invited me to a white elephant party they were doing. I mean, you know, before I was single, there weren't women inviting me to do all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm a dad and I'm comfortable in my own skin with this. And next thing I know, women are, are comfortable with me. And, you know, I mean, I'm sharing the story and I, I know I'm laughing about it a little but You know, this is an example that. You know, men and women, whether you're a man and a woman or a, a father and a mom, you know, we can have a platonic relationship. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's wrong with that? And, I, and you know, I they were, some of the moms were my best friends when I was doing this. It was great. I got a great, and I had a great support system. I helped them get through this as, as stay-at-home moms, and they helped me get through some of the issues of stay-at-home dads. Yeah. So you're just stay-at-home parents. Yeah. Period. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So part of the part of the classes that you were doing, how many of them were like there, there was a stepdad's dynamic? I asked because I never had my own kids, but I had stepkids who actually mm -hmm. came into my life. And it was a, it was an interesting dynamic for me because obviously I wasn't there during the barfing and diaper changing phase and all that stuff. But they nevertheless entered my life at a time when they're still very much in their, you know, in their early teens. You know, the old, my older, uh, I refer to them as my sons, really. Mm -hmm. So my older son was entered my life when he was fourteen, and the younger one when he was eleven. And you know, do you encounter that dynamic much? And what are some of the challenges that stepdads? Um, yeah, I, I, per, I personally don't, but our mm -hmm. culture does, right. and. Um, Whenever when guys came into the groups, I, I've done these open discussion groups with expectant dads, and I've also done them with older dads, and I've done them with a, 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 a very variety of family dynamics. And the one thing I emphasize is that stop putting an adjective in front of the word dad, okay? Mm -hmm. Because when whether you're a stay-at-home dad, gay dad, working dad, et cetera, et cetera, I can guarantee you this. Whenever my kids introduce me to other kids, 
They just turn around and say, this is my dad. We can so learn so much from kids. Because once you start putting that label there, you get treated differently. Yeah. So what I would say to the group is say, you know, you're all just dads here. And let's just focus on fatherhood issues or parenting issues. Because the reality is that these issues don't discriminate. They don't care what kind of dad you are. So what I try to do is get dads to just take that label away and say, look, I know you don't have the biological connection, but if, if you bring up that, if you bring up that, if you bring up the word stepdad, who's creating the barrier? Right. Yeah. You are. Exactly. That, yeah. That's why I removed it myself when I'm referring to my sons, because yeah. there is no barrier there. I've been a very. Well, let me ask. Well, let me ask you, how do they treat you? Like yeah. a stepdad or like a dad? Like a dad. They yeah. really do. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I can tell you, even moms struggle with that. And I'm glad you brought this up because what we're seeing in the parenting community is it's well-intended. Yeah. Um, you see stepdad groups, divorced dad groups, add-on dad groups, working dad groups, dads of children with special needs, et cetera, et cetera. We're segregating ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we don't even realize it. Yeah. You know, because we're the ones putting labels and the kids are probably looking and going like, they're going like, what are our moms and dads doing here? You know, they're just dads and moms and parents to us, and everybody's putting, you know, putting labels. And now, you know, the kids are being dragged around going to, like, these little groups when there's so much more to learn by expanding yourself. So let me quickly share a, a, a couple stories. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a criticism to, to both of these groups, but I, I've been a working dad, add-on dad. I've been a dad of special needs. I, you know, people come to me, oh, you're a dad of special needs. I go, will you stop it already? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then, I had, then I had to go through a divorce and you know now some people are like labeling me with the with the I got I got the scarlet letter D on my chest but it's not for dad it's for divorce oh my god stop it you know and then uh uh so um was so anyway in, in 1992 I started a father's network for fathers of children with special needs and and people were telling me you know you know the dads are going to show up and already I'm going like, you haven't invited us yet. And you're already telling we're not showing up, you know? So I invited it. So I had 20, I really had 20, 25 dads showing up every month. It's a very sensitive population, right? And this was at a time where the father movement hadn't even started. And about a year went by, I had a, a friend of mine do a, a 501c3. You know, the, the group was growing. And I, I, I sat down with the, at the time I was the president and I had a board of directors. And I said, I said, you know, we have something magical here. And I said, we, we only have dads with dis- kids, children with disabilities, but we have, quote, normal kids. You know? mm-hmm. But even sometimes those, quote, normal kids have disabilities that we want to talk about right now. But anyway, <laughs> so I turned, to, yeah, I, I turned to him and I said, listen, I said, uh, why don't we open up the group to all dads? And they said, no. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. And I, sa- I said, why? And they said, well, they won't understand what we're going through. And I said to them, well, how are they ever going to understand unless we embrace them? So basically, you know, they were asking the mainstream to embrace their kids, but they weren't willing to embrace mainstream. Mm -hmm. And so I said to them, I said, well, you have two choices here. He said, either we invite other dads to come in here or I'm going to resign. And I resigned. And then a few years, a couple of years later, I was with the National Idol Dad Network. And I helped start the group and the convention and all that stuff. And I proposed the same thing. And they said the same thing. And I'm thinking, like, 
you know, this is craziness. Why are we doing this? And that we're still doing it now and it drives me nuts. <laughs> you know, you can still have your convention every year. But why don't you invite other dads in that particular town to come in and, you know, you can have a, a po such a positive impact even on other dads that come in that aren't in the primary caregiver role. And also you're going to gain support for your organization. Mm -hmm. You're going to, you know, have financial support because pe more people are going to come, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that's kind of, I think, the reason I'm bringing it up, I think that's where we're stuck right now. Mm -hmm. If we can get over this hump in the next two or three years, we can do amazing things. Yeah. And this goes with, with every organization, not just. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. yeah, it, I mean, that is kind of amazing, especially like any father might not know when he'll become a stay at home dad. Yeah. So yeah. to or, or step learning about that until he's. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, wait, you can't join this group until you do this. <laughs> you know, like, like, like you plan to be a divorced dad or yeah. you plan to be a stepdad, you know, it doesn't work that way. You know? Yeah, you know, none of that was ever in my in, in my plans at all. It happened, yeah. man. It was the most. But anyway, even if you were a stepdad yeah. and you were to, and you were with say an at at home dad or a working dad, uh, th there are things that you could learn from that guy. Yes. Yeah. yes. And, and and vice versa, there might be something that they might learn from you. Just because you're a stepdad doesn't mean you don't know what the hell you're doing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you a little bit of credit. <laughs> you know, even even if you're Brazilian, I'm still going to give you a little credit for being a great dad. Fair I don't enough. even know you. <laughs> That's fair enough. You know, you're getting, your, kid, your, your kids are alive, right? They're breathing. They are alive. They've actually produced kids of their own. Being yeah. a grandparent has been amazing. And you no, know, I think that in some ways, you know, taking away the that step label. It was very fun for me because, in a way, I felt like I was supportive of their of their biological parents, but more so, I sometimes ended up being like the neutral third party when they were having disputes with the the, the parents who brought them into the world, and it was fun because it was it was an, it was a, a way for me to be able to really create a really amazing bond and have some. Did, did, the, bi did, did the biological dad embrace? You and the oh, family. very much. He's my husband. Well, oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yes. As, did, as has the biological mom. Um, okay. She and I are very close friends. Very close friends. Well, I mean, even in the mainstream, I mean, the, the question I'm getting is because you did not uh, uh, feel like a stepdad, mm -hmm. uh, it, it made him feel, I think, more comfortable. But where, where I think the struggle is sometimes is that when a stepdad comes into the picture and the, sometimes a biological dad can kind of get offended because he thinks it's like a sign of disrespect, mm -hmm. but it really, you know, it really isn't. It's just, we're trying to make this environment normal for the kids, you know, like set your ego aside for a, a second and realize that everybody knows you're the biological dad already. You don't have to carry a freaking neon sign above your head and say, you know, I'm the biological dad. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> you know? And the way that we actually and I don't think you want to carry a sign like no, it's so true. Or I, wait, I, I, wait, step, step, gay dad. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like there are, you, you end up accumulating a lot of adjectives along yeah. the way. It's it's very very true. And, and the way that I actually approached it and handle it was like when it comes to major major life decisions. You know, I made it very clear. It's like I am your father's companion. 
I, I am not your mom's replacement. I am nobody's replacement. I am just somebody who is here. And that's, that's the attitude I took. We, I never really explicitly said that, but that was the attitude that I, I had in my approach to the whole, to the whole, you know, dynamic. Well, well for and, me, your attitude, your attitude is actually more powerful than actually telling yes, somebody. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And in it my absolutely opinion. Had, it had an impact on our relationship. Yes. I completely agree. But you're not allowed to start a Brazilian dad's group, right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't need another label out there. Yeah, so, we still <laughs> so with it, Hogan, is there any sort of national dad's group? Is there a kind of label-free just group for dads to mingle and get um, um, Unfortunately, it's not. And, you know, again, this is not a criticism. I think everything's well-intended. I think, I think, as you can see, I'm a like out-of-the-box thinking kind of guy. And I and I'm looking at the bigger picture, like you know the and national. It is a criticism. It is yeah, a criticism. Well, it's okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh, I can criticize on the show. Oh wow! Go honey, for it. honey, give me a beer. Open up the champagne bottle. Call the cigar, also, you know. <laughs> okay. No, I'm glad you're addressing this because I hope that the, the, the that the dads that are watching will uh, hopefully inspire them to understand. And, and I'm gonna and I'm I'm gonna address your issue. But one of the points that I want to make here is that you know. Fathers always calling about we want a father-friendly environment and the parent community. Nobody disputes mom bias, okay? And the fathers feel like it's it's the it's the mother's responsibility and the, the for them to feel comfortable and create a father-friendly environment and parent community. Wrong, <laughs> mm. because moms are moms. They don't know how to create a father-friendly environment. Okay. Secondly, we're not even friendly to our own gender. You know, Mike Murphy, Murphy was a baseball player on opening day, was in the hospital for the birth of his baby, and his fellow baseball announcers are criticizing him for not showing up on opening day to go play baseball. That's not being friendly. You should have said, oh, wow, what a, what, what a great thing Murphy did, that he puts his family first, because the ownership had no problem with it. They didn't fire him. He played the next day, right? So there's a lot more that we can do. And, and, and like, for example, there's a National Father Initiative, but their sole purpose and their target audience is low-income dads, if you really look at their program. Mm. Okay? National Center for Fatherhood is very religious-based. Uh, the problem I have with the National Father Initiative is that you know, they're thinking, well, if we help these guys earn better money, they will be better dads. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> you know, there are people that makes millions of dollars that aren't doing what they need to do to be dads and are also struggling and want to learn how to be better dads. So to base a dad's ability on how much money he makes is craziness. Yeah, and I'm sure there are low-income low dads that are fantastic followers. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I'm telling you, yeah. And so um, – then you have the National Adam Dad Network. Then you have the Divorce Dad Network. You know, there's, there's kind of a national, there, there's some kind of national things going on there. But there is no fathershood organization that brings all the adjective labeled dads together. So, like I told you before, the Adam Dad experience, you know, they don't invite other dads. Uh, divorce dads are the same thing, you know. There's, there's, most of them are so bent up in their anger that 
they don't even think about going to a dad's group to learn how to be a better dad. So they go to a dad support group and it becomes a venting session. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. no, there's no, and it's the same thing with the moms. The moms are doing it too. So this is not gender specific. They don't, they just don't gather on a national level and even on a local level, they don't. What I found out in some of the work I did in researching for my books as well is that there, there are dad's groups in LA County, they don't even work with each other. They don't collaborate. They're all doing like their individual things. And it's even with the dad bloggers and the dad's groups that we have, you, you can see how the segregation forms and you stick in the group. So what we find out in some of the researches that we did on our own is that there's an immediate connection to a group. It's true with both moms and dads. They get the emotional connection they're looking for, but after they're in the group for a while, two things happen. Even either they're not getting what they need and they leave, or they're getting in there, but they're not clicking with the rest of the group, <laughs> which I hate because, you know, this is supposed to be not gentleman criticism. We're supposed to be sharing the love and embracing people. And you're finding out people are leaving for a reason. We'll find out why they're leaving and bring them back in. And we have other people who are taking ownership of this and setting rules and guidelines and saying, well, even, even see it on in, 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 in internet groups. If somebody for some reason says something political, you know, people start jumping on them. And I'm thinking to myself, this is supposed to be a forum, a safe forum, no judgment, no criticism, no bias. And all of a sudden you get guys bringing in other topics and then they get away from it and it causes a lot of conflict and, you, and guys start to leave. Well, if you really look at the small groups and you look at the numbers, they're never growing because of that. Hmm. Hmm. So are people kind of hopping from whatever adjective they feel in the moment? Yeah, <laughs> kind of, sort of, yeah, because like, like Rick Appio said, you know, you don't never know when you're going to be a stepdad or a divorced dad. You could be a married dad and all of a sudden you wind up getting divorced and now you become a stepdad. So now there's this kind of thing, okay, well, I'm a stepdad, so I got to like, you kind of, the initial reaction is to kind of, like, okay, now I'll just start going with stepdads. Right. I have to shift okay. my whole tribe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but. Uh, I'm glad you guys brought this up because we really need to get this message out because sure. what's interesting is that kids don't discriminate. No. They, they don't really care. And even in my groups, when I do my groups, I've had, I've had uh, dads come in and, and of every, every income, every race, every religion. Um, I've had gay dads in my groups. And one of the things I do is I make it, I make it so guys look at you as dads. No, not at your profession. And I have certain rules. One is you don't talk about religion, uh, parenting philosophies, um, uh, medical issues, legal issues and stuff. And it's interesting. If you give these guys these five rules, they'll follow them. They even police themselves. I had one guy start going off and I had one of the other guys goes, I'm sorry, Joe, but we're not going to talk about this because and then he, he referred to the rules. And, um, even the language barrier was interesting. I, I had a group one time where two, two Hispanic guys came in. And while the conversation was going, you could, you could hear, overhear one of the Hispanic guys interpreting to the other Spanish guy. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the whole group on its own started talking slower because the guy was interpreting for him. 
you see, if if somebody would have come up and said, oh, you know, he, he has a language barrier, then it would have been uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But if you just let the guys work itself out, it's so powerful. Because now they're showing a sense of compassion that some women apparently think we don't have. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because we we because we invited it into that group. We invited compassion. We're not forcing guys to be compassionate with each other. You know, it's it's like as as I'm listening to you, the, the gears in my head are like like working overtime. I'm thinking, you know, this conversation just, if anything, it, it's making that case for opening up the groups to each other. So that way, people don't not men don't only have to jump from group to group to group, depending on whatever adjective is being mm. you know, tacked on at the time. But that compassion that understanding everything mm-hmm. can all be there and if anything amplified because of the diversity of of experiences oh exactly and it but you know we i think that dads are still kind of going to this comfort level of emotional support and they you know maybe they need maybe they need that little push or shove that the three of us can give them now right right but let, but let, but let me tell you this because it's it's it's, it's a tough exercise because uh, and i mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> I know I'm sharing some information here, but I had the benefit of going through this in the 1990s. Because when I went, when I did the expected dads classes, mm-hmm. guys used to walk in, and I used to judge just by the way their body language came in. I would say, because well, you know, back then guys would walk in like, you know, like they didn't want to be there. And so I'm sitting there and going like, I want this to be fun, but the guys give me some bad vibes, and I'm thinking to myself, you know. Uh, this guy's I started like just doing this you know making judgment calls this guy's walking in on whether they're going to be good in this class or not and I had to look at myself in the mirror I said I need to stop doing that and once I started doing that the groups got much more and more powerful because I gave that guy a chance for him to get to know him better but if I put that judgment barrier in there, how do I give him an opportunity to, to get to know him better and vice versa him to get to know me better? Once mm-hmm. I took that judgment wall out and guys came in, it, I mean, it was amazing. And that's, I think, the problem that we have here is that, oh, well, he's a divorced dad. I'm, I'm going to use divorced dads as, a, as an example because that's the extreme. Right. Oh, you must have did something horrible like to screw up your family. I'm not, you know, I don't want to be connected with you or. I don't want to be near you because I heard divorce is disease that I can, it's contagious. <laughs> it's not. Okay. Come on. Right. You know, but um, it, it's just so powerful that we need to just, and another example too is like gay dads. Okay. Mm-hmm. If, if, if a, I tell a gay dad, come in here, don't tell them they're gay. They're going to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> but if you come in and say, I'm a gay dad, they're going to, they're going to react to you differently. Because you're telling him, hey, I'm a gay dad here, and I want you to treat me like a gay dad. Well, if you just don't say anything and just pretend like you're a dad and not put that adjective up there, they're going to mm-hmm. treat you like a dad, and they're going to treat you more with respect, and they're not going to care if you're gay or not. Right. I mean, don't you find that experience that, uh, with you is that? Yeah. I've had that experience. Absolutely, yes. And, you know, every time that I remove any adjective, any label whatsoever, it becomes a shared human experience. 
Exactly. That's exactly what happens. I mean, the, uh, and and also, you know, there, there are even times when guys turn that around and make it even fun to where they break the ice. Is that um, uh, one time an, an attorney, you know, a guy says, "Well, I'm an attorney," and all of a sudden the lawyer joke started coming out. <laughs> but 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 that was but that was part of what I really enjoyed about the open discussion groups is that it's informal. If you really look, and this other criticism I have the, the National Father Initiative and other another uh, fatherhood organizations it's structured it's like a lecturing based group it's like an academic thing i'm going like we don't do this with the moms and i'm thinking to myself you know the best resource you got is the guys that are there right there why do you need to bring like and once in a while you can bring like an expert in just to talk and get things going but other than that the the open discussion groups have been more powerful in fact i'm the one that introduced it to the national adam dad network i think in its fourth or fifth year and they had they 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 embraced it and included it, and it was a combination academic and open discussion group. And like four years ago, they just they got rid of it. And I'm going like, what's going on here? Because you know it's so abnormal. We got to go back to the traditional thinking. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I've seen some of the most powerful things happen. And like you said, the humanity part of it comes into it, and it automatically breaks all those barriers where the compassion starts to coming out and then the guys feel more comfortable about supporting each other. And the other amazing thing is that when a dad brings up an issue, they really discuss about it. They discuss the pain about it, how they're struggling with it. And here's where I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of uh, let the moms understand this for those moms that are watching it. Okay. As much as you hate when you express a problem or issue to your husband and he wants to problem solve problem solve it we are good problem solvers and when it comes to parenting let us do that because i've seen this happen in groups a guy will bring up an issue and they'll talk about it but as guys are problem solving guys will kick in and one dad will go like hey you know i had that same issue uh, can i share with you what i tried and all of a sudden the guys embrace it and the guy says oh you know i tried this and one dad goes you know what I never tried that. I think I'm going to try that when I get home. You see the camaraderie that happens here and the and the networking of how to be better parents, not even better parents, but better human beings just because of the experience. And we're not doing enough of that. We're telling guys, come to this, come to this, come to this convention. We have a step program we'd like to introduce to you. <laughs> step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. <laughs> yeah, the 12 steps of dads, yeah. right? <laughs> Oh, come on, you know. <laughs> so, so one of one of the big brands that you have for your for your books is Dad's Behaving Dadly. Yeah. So, so what does dadly mean? Is do you have a general definition of behaving dadly? What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's just being proactive. That's it. You know, the word what happened was here's how, how it came out is uh, when I was an at home dad, I got a lot of media attention, and um, mm-hmm. there was also this you know movement of father 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 absence and uh, i'd like to address that later too if you have time the father absence movement was coming on and there was this whole thing about deadbeat dads and you know dads are behaving badly and and so i said you know dad's behaving and then the register did it orange county register newspaper did an article on me and the title was dad's behaving dadly so i'm not going to take full credit for it you know <laughs> and it, it kind of wrong with me you know uh, and a funny story about, and so uh, a funny story. So what happened was, um, at the t- uh, chick, uh, chicken soul for the soup book had book had been book had been out had been out, and um, 
again, the reason I did that was I was trying to uh, break down the stigma of dads that dads wouldn't share. And thank God for the internet. I just put out an invitation and told dads what I was doing. And all of a sudden stories started coming in. So Dad's Behaving Dadly became a collection of stories like the chicken soup for the soul. And the most amazing thing about that is that I got well, incredible stories that are being uh, uh, published now by the Good Men Project, by the way. Thanks for doing that, Andy. But dads of every family dynamics were, were coming in. And um, dadly is just a, a term that I coined just to make guys feel comfortable about being compassionate and nurturing without feeling like you lost any of your masculinity, right? But then I had a, uh, what they call it, a... Uh, um, uh, an experience with the word, uh, with the dad's behaving dadly uh, title was that uh, what a Freudian slip. Right? I, I I emailed someone about dad's behaving dadly, and she posts the woman posted an announcement about oh yeah, there's this new book calling out dad's behaving badly. Yeah, I go like you know, <laughs> you can't you can't read, <laughs> but it just shows you it just shows you how brainwashed we are as a society. Right. Is that, you know, you see that thinking that we, we've, we've gotten this whole notion that most of the dads in this world are absent dads when it's just the opposite. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to get guys to say, feel comfortable, feel proud about wearing that dad badge and stop, let, stop having people emasculating and beat down on, on you. Whenever someone says, like if someone says to you, you're babysitting today, stand up for yourself. You know, if you don't stand up for yourself, you're giving part of your masculinity away. Yeah, Lori shared something in, in the chat. Lori, my, my wife is here watching. So yeah. one of her brothers is a stay-at-home dad. And yeah. he, the, the, his, uh, one of his kids' schools asked him to come in and be house mom in class for the day. Oh, my goodness. She's yeah. still happening today. Yeah. But he, and he <laughs> said, no, when you call it house yeah. parent or house dad, then I'll show up. And they yeah. were, like, shocked. They didn't. Yeah. Said, and I was I'm like, really? No one has said that to them yet? I, I was shocked that it happened. But it's, but it's true. That's the whole point I'm talking about earlier. Like, if you want a father-friendly environment, learn how to be a friendly father. Now, don't go up there, you know, damn it, why didn't you change your name or something? Go, you know, ladies, can I just talk to you? Can I just share with you that, you know, I, I understand your good intentions, the house mom. But, you know, I'm a dad. I'm not a replacement for mom. And I really would appreciate if you if you, if you just call me the, the room parent or whatever. And also, I have, a, I have another idea. You know, I've been... I just want to share this with you. You know, you know how women tell the guy you want guys to share their feelings. Most of the times, guys share the feelings. We get shut down, or, or what we say is not credible. But also, part of that is the delivery guys have. So, you know, the guy could say, "Well, you know, I've been talking to some other dads here too, and you know, I think I can encourage them to come here if we could just change the name, and then you'd have more dads coming here helping out. Isn't that what you want?" Right. More we have too many guys. Yeah, but we have too many guys coming there, you know, pounding on the desk and saying, this is not fair, blah, 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 instead of, you know, using that moment to educate. Because the, the honest reality is moms don't know what to do. Can I share this quick story? Sure. I, I don't. So, so when I was a primary caregiver, at the time I thought, okay, well, I'm the at-home dad. I kind of went the extra nine yards. I'm getting all this media stuff about, you know, deadbeat dads and dads got to do more, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> so... I was under the impression that when I went to the playground that the moms, it was the mom's responsibility to make me feel comfortable. So I, I went there, I had two kids in tow and I'm the only dad there. I'm feeling comfortable. They're feeling uncomfortable. I'm upset because they're not making me feel comfortable. 
They'd either walk away. When the kids came near me, they'd pull them away, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm, and I'm walking back home and, you know, I'm trying to figure all this out. And then I saw a group of moms with their strollers coming my way. And they came my way and I was intimidated. And I turned around and went back to the car. And I walked back with a dog, with like a dog with a tail between its legs. And this is the part about emasculating. I mean, I'm doing it to myself now. And I said to myself, why did I do that? I should have just walked over there, you know, said hi to them, maybe join them. So <clears throat> I just came up with this idea. And then um, someone pointed out to me and says, you know, Hogan, people are intimidated by you. And I go like, what do you mean they're intimidated by me? I'm a fun guy, you know. No, Hogan, you don't realize you don't have that Magic Johnson smile. You look different because you're, you're Asian and you're tall. You're not supposed to be tall. You're supposed to be short. Uh, you have a very intimidating posture. And she goes, Dan, you're right. I got to learn to smile more. And so I said, I said to myself, you know what? When I go to the playground, I got to make sure that I'm, that I'm on the ground or sitting, not standing. I'm going to bring extra toys. I'm going to smile more. <laughs> and it was unbelievable. I, I, it was my responsibility to make those women feel comfortable because here's why. Moms have been brainwashed. Don't trust men. They've never had a guy show up at a playground before at 10 o'clock in the morning. So the, what happens, what registers in their brain is, I don't know what to do. I think I'll leave. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I just won't say anything. And so the dad is interpreting like, well, the reason they're not talking to me because they hate me. No, they don't know how to do this. So why don't you teach them how to do this? So all of a sudden, you know, kids would come over and play with toys. What I did is I established a sense of trust. The women started coming over to me, talking to me. And like I said before, they were starting inviting me to play groups. They were inviting me to coffee. They, they just, they, they felt comfortable with me. And so it's just so important for more guys, more guys to do that. Cool. So I, I promise to ask you this question because we talked talked about it before we started the show. But uh, so, what's your best piece of advice for new dads? Okay. Well, first of all, set your ego aside. But the most important advice I have is that every dad goes to the same issues. Okay, fatherhood, parenting issues—they don't discriminate. They're always going to be there. But if you concentrate too much on the challenges, you're not going to have fun being a dad. So have fun being a dad. And moms, if you're hearing this, it's okay for you to have fun to be a mom too. And don't get jealous of dad's having fun because that's what he's supposed to do. When he makes it fun, the kids have a fun environment. They have a fun learning environment. The tension goes down. You know, what, what might be a big issue of a kid spilling a drink becomes a little thing instead of a big thing. Yeah, like I used to, for example, what I mean by fun is uh, um, when I'm feeding, when I was feeding my kids in the in the uh, in the in the uh, the feeding seat, okay, and if I'm feeding them dinner or lunch or breakfast, I pretend like I'm the waiter, and I, you know, just have fun with the kids, and you know, especially when they get older, um, I, you know, I put like a credit card. Oh, you are you paying with a bill? And the reason I did was to stop the monotony. And, and, and this whole message of how daunting parenting is, and I'm, I'm at home, and I'm having fun. I'm going like, why are everybody talking about terrible twos and terrible threes? I'm going like, 
terrific twos, terrific threes. I'm having a blast, you know, because I'm making it fun. Right. Or like in the garage, you know, uh, let kids, like my kid just made his own drum set. You know, I didn't care about the mess in the garage. He's pulling stuff out, all stuff's falling. You know, am I, am I going to go there and tell the kids, you know, do it this way and, and, be, and worry about what other people are thinking because my garage is a mess? No. You know, they can worry all they want about their garage. You know, I'm having fun. <laughs> so entertain yourself to not be have the monotonous day and you entertain your kids and it just it all feeds on itself and everyone's having a good time. Yeah, exactly. And that's not to say ignore the issues, you know, attend to them, but don't let them let don't let them run uh, your ruin your fatherhood journey or motherhood journey. Yeah. And that's what I see so many parents do is that, you know, there's so judgment about how like moms will be judgmental about how dads do it certain things and other moms will be judgmental because another mom they're they're upset about because she said something or there's this competitiveness you know people are competing with their kids are competing and they're competing about their kids learning the alphabet first before their kid and learning math <laughs> you see where i'm going with this is like mm -hmm. just watch your kid grow and develop and watch them do it at their pace you know, because isn't that what you, if you were a kid, wouldn't you want that? And look, and I think about, I think about all the fun you're missing out on. Okay. Uh, even today I have, I actually started a, a diary. Okay. Uh, let me, excuse me. I started a journal. Women do diaries, <laughs> but I started, I actually, that's how I got into writing. I had mm -hmm. so many parents tell me how horrible it was to like be at home and, and being a parent. I'm going like, I'm having fun. Every day, I would think about one positive thing my kid did or what I learned from my kid. And I wouldn't sit down every day and write, a, like maybe two days would go by. I'd block out time and write. And the journal in the beginning was like, the first week journal was maybe like four things. But then it grew, like this, and it grew and grew. That I, had putting, I was putting stuff down every day. And that's how I got my first book because at the end of the day, I would I would look at that journal and say to myself, man, not only did I have a productive day, I had a fun day, you know. And today I still have those journals. I I did it for eight years, and I wish I would have kept doing it, because I could I can look back at those at those books and I can look and go and like, you know what, I I can I it confirms that I did my job right, and it confirms that I enjoyed it and that I had fun with it. It's just oh here, look my uh my wonderful wife here this is an example like like i took this journal like a calendar and i and uh, you can see like all the writing there every day hmm. and you don't have to tell the whole story you can just like you know have, like 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 shorthand oh. kind of stuff and, and then you fill, and then fill in you. later yeah oh oh, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. well don't this, and you said you stopped yeah i stopped for whatever for whatever why well, you know i think the reason my stop is to my oldest at the time i think uh uh, was like seven or eight, and I thought, well, you know, there's not going to be any more endearing moments. And also, you know, I was juggling three boys and, and then the special needs thing and all that stuff. So um, I don't know. I just stopped. You know, now I look back, wish I'd. And I've actually have other dads that are doing it now, so I kind of well, pass I, it on. So you know, I, I invite you to pick it up again and keep because you're having fun. So I invite you to start journaling and write how much fun you had on. Oh, real th oh thank you. <laughs> <laughs> No, but anyway, that's how I got into writing. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I, 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 I put all those stories in a book, and it was the, titled The Man Who Would Be Dad. And, that, and, and actually, by doing that book, that is what 
got me into it, why we talked about earlier, into the whole concept of the Dadly book is having other dads share stories. Yeah. That's cool. That's beautiful. So, so you've been in so many different groups and started things and left things. What's the best way for someone to track you down today and, and get to know you more, connect with you? Oh, uh, the best way probably is through the dad marketing website. Um, um, and I, I'm sorry, I, I don't have, but you could put dad marketing in Google or take it right to the website. Um, I have a wonderful dad partner. Uh, he's a marketing guru and we're trying to uh, uh, talk to companies and we've had talked to a few, but they're not pulling the trigger is that, you know, parent, dads represent half the parent population. They don't market to dads. That's a huge source of income. We're trying to, we told, we estimated in the book that Babies to Us is losing $300,000 a day by not marketing dads. You know, because we want to buy stuff for our kids. We want to take our kids to the toy store. You know, we spend, we're go, more dads are going to the grocery shop, uh, grocery shopping is, you know, and, and also it's disrespectful to the moms because that's the, that's, that's the mom's partner and you're leaving and ignoring them out. You, and if you really look at advertisements, everything says moms. You look at moms, like Disney moms. I'm trying to talk to Disney right now. Why can't you change it to Disney parents? You know, we talk about gender equality. There's like one dad and like eight women on the panel. <laughs> I go like, come on, give me a break, you know? And why don't you just call it a, why don't you call it a parents panel? You know, yeah. there's just yeah. so much growth that, that, yeah, there could, there's so much growth from this where, again, you know, you, you, you're creating a segregation by just leaving out the dads. And then on top of that, you know, a gay dad, a stepdad, or at-home dad might feel uncomfortable because, the whole identity behind mom's panel is that they're stay-at-home moms. You, you see what I mean by that? Mm -hmm. Is that, I, I guess the last thing I know for, uh, for time is like, you know, if, uh, yeah, you can get home by dad marketing. And we also are trying to start a We Love Dads and We Love Moms campaign or movement, actually. So if you type in We Love Dads, We Love Moms, and actually go on a dad marketing page, there are two pages there. And what we want to do is we want to nominate dads and, and moms and present awards and start spreading more love and passion to stop the segregation and discrimination and bring more unity to the parenting community. Um, and um, anyway, I know I kind of went on the rant, but you can see how passionate I am about uniting all parents because the kids, that's what they want. We're not giving it to them, you know? And so I think, if there, I have to say anything right now, because you guys are giving me this platform to do this, is this, is that can moms and dads just for a moment look at each other's parents first and moms and dads second? If we can do that, just think about how much more growth that we are as adults are going to have and that we're going to leave a much more amazing parenting legacy for our kids. Mm. Beautiful. Yes. Cool. Yes. And where, where, wherever someone's listening to this, uh, go to realmenfield.org, and we'll have links to the vast array of things that are Hogan Hilling. Um, so go <laughs> I have to throw this out there really quick. So any any company that's listening, this dad, this grandpa, loves buying things for the kids and especially the grandkids. So don't leave me out, okay? <laughs> market market to me like crazy. Yeah, well, the other thing that about this whole marketing, too, is that we want to not only show companies that you're going to increase revenue, mm -hmm. but the most important thing you're going to do, you're going to strengthen families because now you're embracing dad as a full parent and equal parent. Yeah, yeah. You know, we start, we need to start, we as adults are the role models for our kids. We, not, we need to start practicing more love, 
more passion, more respect, and more value to each other. Mm-hmm. So again, guys, thanks for having me on the show. I hope this message gets out. I hope I get an opportunity to come back on again. And hopefully when I do, we can hopefully see a huge difference in the way um, moms and dads are working and collaborating with each other to create a better parenting environment for our kids. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks very much for for being here, Hogan. And, um, you know, not being a dad, I'm shocked how much I get out of this. So, uh, yeah, even even drop the nouns, not just drop the adjective, drop the nouns. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Well, anyway, so uh, not to be biased, moms are doing a great job. You're all amazing. Uh, But to all the dads out there, keep on daddying. Beautiful. So thanks, everyone, for joining us live. Thanks again, Hogan. Thank you, Apio. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next week, visit realmenfeel.org or the Real Men Feel Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Show us some love by visiting realmenfeel.org slash swag or digitaltipjar.com slash realmenfeel. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com.